0: Well, as I said earlier, we are beginning a new sermon series for Lent, both on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Uh, This year is the 500th anniversary of the start of the Reformation, which began with Martin Luther, a Roman Catholic monk, pastor, and professor, nailing to the church door in Wittenberg, which was like the bulletin board for the community, a list of 95 things that he wanted to debate about the teachings of the church. Well, people didn't just show up for the debate. They took the list and they made copies of it with the printing press, the revolutionary new communication technology of the day, and spread them everywhere. It ignited a movement that spread across all of Europe uh, that we now know as the Reformation. Now, one of the things that Martin Luther lamented about the church in those days was that parents didn't know how to teach their children even the basics of the Christian faith. For one thing, they couldn't read the Bible for themselves because it was in Latin and it was written by, you know, copied by hand. So Luther translated it into German himself and then... Used the printing press to get it into people's hands so that they could have a Bible of their own that they could read in their own language. Secondly, they couldn't understand what, most of what was said in worship because it was all in Latin. And so one of the reforms that Martin Luther insisted on was that worship be done in language that ordinary people could understand. People's heads were full of all kinds of superstitions and misunderstandings about what it meant to be a Christian and follow Jesus. So, Luther wrote a catechism for parents to be able to teach their children the basics of the faith in their home. He wrote a small catechism to use in the home and a large catechism which was more in-depth for teachers. In it, he covers the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, baptism, the, the Lord's Supper, confession, and forgiveness. He explains each one of them step by step. And so we're going to be walking through major portions of that over the course of these next few weeks. So our, our, yeah, I guess you, you could say our slogan for, for Lent this year is the Catechism! It's not just for confirmation anymore! Because it never was. (laughs) It's to be used in the home. Martin Luther, he wrote this and he said, I am a student of the catechism. I study it every day so that the words get down in here. So I want, you should have all been given one as you came in, so get it out and turn. To page 27, almost all the way to the back. Take a look at this. Tonight we're talking about confession of sin. So uh, I want you to read the parts, the questions in bold, and I'll give Luther's answer. Uh, so start with, from the beginning, start with the first question. Confession consists of two parts. One is that we confess our sins, and that the other is that we receive absolution, or forgiveness, from the confessor as from God himself, in no way doubting but firmly believing that our sins are thereby forgiven by God before God in heaven. Before God we should acknowledge ourselves guilty of all kinds of sins, even those of which we are not aware, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. To the confessor, however, a trustworthy Christian to whom we confess, we should confess only those sins which we know and which trouble us. Here examine yourself in the light of the Ten Commandments, whether as father or mother, son or daughter, employer or employee, and consider whether you have been disobedient, unfaithful, lazy, angry, sexually unfaithful or quarrelsome, Whether you have injured anyone by word or deed, stolen, neglected, or wasted anything, or done any other evil. So that's Luther's brief take on confession. If you want to read more about any of these sections, look up the the large catechism. You can find it online. So tonight, as we talk about confession of sin, uh, we're not going to read front-page articles about Hollywood celebrities. No, we're going to deal with our own stuff. All the ways that we turn away from God. Sin is anything that damages our relationships with God or with other people. That's why God gave us the Ten Commandments that Luther just referenced, because they help protect those relationships, as we'll hear later on in this sermon series. You see, sin is not just bad things that we do or say or think, but it's a state of being. It, it's the state of being curved in on ourselves, only thinking about number one, me. Well, there are all kinds of different ways that people deal with the sin or the junk in their lives. You know, some, some people will say, well, ah, it's just, they, they flaunt it. You know they say that's oh, just how I roll that's just who I am. don't judge me, I won't judge you it's you know, it's just who I am. other people you know as they 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 try to ignore it, they pretend like it didn't happen uh, they you know disavow any knowledge of that <laughs> other people and sometimes this is all of us at different points uh try to rationalize it. You know, they make excuses for themselves. They um, try and, you know, say, oh, it's, it's just a habit. It's not that big a deal. I can quit whenever I want. That kind of thing. But the problem with rationalizing is, you know, what how, if you break that word in two, you, know, you have rational lies. <laughs> We're lying to ourselves. Kidding yourself. Uh, other people will procrastinate. They'll put it off. They'll say, Oh, I'll, I'll take care of that tomorrow. I can't deal with it right now. I'll take care of it tomorrow. Well, tomorrow comes, and it's only gotten worse. Then there are people who blame other people for the junk in their lives. They say, It's the fault of my parents because of the way they raise me or it's my spouse she's so awful or he's always does this and such and you know and that just drives me crazy they blame someone else that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve they immediately started blaming each other when things went south then other people will take out their anger their sense of shame that sort of stuff On other people. This is usually what guys tend to do is they kind of externalize their anger. When they're mad at themselves, they take it out on somebody else. Somebody else pays the price. Girls and women more often tend to internalize their anger and their shame. And they pull it inward and hurt themselves. There's far more... Uh, girls that that cut themselves, or who become anorexic or bulimic, or you know things like that, than there are boys because they tend to externalize it. Girls tend to in- internalize it. There's all these unhealthy ways in which we try to deal with the sin, with the junk in our lives. But the problem is, none of those things really deal with. It. You see, sin causes pain. Pain is like a sliver buried underneath your skin. What happens if you don't get rid of the sliver? Yeah, it gets infected. It starts to fester. It gets worse, you know, until your whole hand hurts, then your whole arm, then your whole body. If you don't deal with it, we have to deal with a sliver for our bodies to be healthy. In the same way, we need to deal with our sin. We need to confess our sin and deal with its consequences for our relationships to be healthy. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word confession? How does it usually get used in, like, TV and movies and and stuff like that? When somebody confesses, you know, like, say you're watching uh, a crime drama. What happens when somebody confesses there? What's that? Yeah, they've been arrested. They what? Yeah, so they're they're finally kind of fessing up. That's where we get that word. Uh, they're they're admitting what they've done. Um, now, for what are, there's there's other ways that we use that word, of course, too. Um, like we have confession and forgiveness during worship. We have a confession of faith, the the words of the Apostles' Creed, uh, where we're confessing the truth. Uh, Maybe some of you, as uh, as kids or as adults, went to confession. Any of you with Roman Catholic background? Quite a few. Okay, so most people that I've talked with who grew up old school Catholic usually hated confession. <laughs> it was intimidating to get forced into this little room with a priest on the other side of the screen and have to list off all the bad things that you had, that that you would all the bad thoughts you'd had, all the bad things you'd done. It was like you had to focus on how horrible you were. And then you wondered afterwards, did you remember everything? Were you really sorry enough? And then you had penance to do it. Now say seven Hail Marys and ten Our Fathers and do this. Martin Luther, as a monk, a Catholic monk, struggled with confession a lot, uh, not that he avoided it. No, he, he he kept going back for more and more and more and more, and it was never enough. For a long time, he was plagued with a guilty conscience. During his years in the monastery, he wore out his confessor by coming to him several times a day to confess every little sin that he could think of. But no matter how much he confessed or what he did to try and make amends, Luther felt burdened and ashamed before God. But one night he was in a tower at in Wittenberg and he was reading Romans 1 and he got to a point a place where it says the just the righteous will live by faith and he always hated that verse because he never felt he was righteous enough but then he read it again and it suddenly It's like a light went on in his heart. The righteous live by faith. I become righteous. God sets me righteous, makes me right with himself just through faith, just through believing his promises. And suddenly... It was like all of Scripture opened up to Luther in that moment and suddenly he could see grace written on every page. God's love written on every page of Scripture. You see, to confess your sin, the word confess means to agree with, to speak the truth about something. In our confession of faith, we're speaking the truth about God. When we confess our sin, we're speaking the truth about our sin, about who we are and what we've done. It's important to go directly to God to confess our sin, and through Jesus we can go directly to Him, but it can also be really helpful to confess to someone else, to have another Christian listen to you, So you can get things off your chest and then hear a word of forgiveness spoken out loud to you. That's actually part of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's helpful not just for dealing with addiction, but for problems and junk in general. Uh, The fourth step is to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourself. And then the fifth step is to admit the exact nature of your wrongs and confess your sins to God, to yourself, and to someone else. When you think about it, the Lord's Prayer, the whole thing is kind of like a confession. We're admitting that we haven't done what God wants, and we're asking for God's forgiveness and grace for a new start. So confession and forgiveness has two parts. We confess and then we hear that word of forgiveness. It's something that we're called to do together. Look again at your catechism at page 26, where it says the office of the keys, which is the power of forgiveness in Christ. Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. We are called to hold one another accountable, to speak that word of confession to one another and to speak the word of forgiveness back. When we, when we do confession and forgiveness together in worship, we're practicing what we need to do with one another whenever we need it. Forgiveness changes everything in this life and the life to come. It's like a breath of fresh, cleansing air after you've been breathing fumes all day long. It gives us a fresh start and restored relationships with each other and with God. So, the only thing we can do in response is say thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord for the forgiveness you offer through Jesus' death on the cross. Thank you for a fresh start, fresh air, and new life. Give us the courage to confess our sins to one another and to you. Help us reconcile with those we've hurt and those who've hurt us. By your Spirit, give us hope and strength and life with you now and forever like that.